You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Presented by Bedford Sportsbook. It is Monday, March 6th. 2023 people i hope everybody's doing well i hope everybody is having a great day and i hope everybody is ready for what is one of the great weeks on the sports calendar it is champ week so much college hoops five teams count them five have already clinched ncaa tournament bids congrats to southeast missouri state fairly dickinson kennesaw state unc Asheville, and drake they started from the bottom now they're here baby okay terrible jokes aside Busy show today, and it is March. This is such a fun week. Here's what you need to know about today's show. One, we are going to start 30,000-foot view of college hoops because at this time last year, I gave you a list of five teams that I believed could win the national championship. And looking ahead to this tournament, while it is very wide open, I actually think we're down to five teams that can win it in 2023 as well. I'll give you the teams, who I like, who I don't, maybe a surprise or two wink wink nod nod uh and then from there we'll take a quick break we'll come back and we will recap some of the stuff that happened uh on the weekend john calipari haters awfully quiet today kentucky beats arkansas essentially without a point guard we'll talk about duke unc is unc headed to the uh nit as well as a couple other results from the weekend probably a little ucla arizona although hint hint We might cover UCLA or Arizona. Stay tuned in our top five teams. So busy show, fun show. A couple quick announcements before we get started. One, Bracket Fanatics will be back for the Aaron Torres Pod Bracket Challenge. So stay tuned. Make sure to pay attention. Be ready for that because that will be coming before you know it. Uh, The merchandise tab. Get your NCAA tournament gear, your March Madness gear. Your Maura Hurley t-shirt, your Revenge Tour Kentucky t-shirt, your Mike Effin Woodson t-shirt. Aaron Torres online.com slash merchandise. That is where we will have all of our merchandise. Make sure to order yours now. And then finally, 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 a lot of good stuff from bracket fanatics. We will give you all their specials a little bit later in the show, but conference tournaments odds are up at bracketfanatics.com. We will have full write-ups at Aaron Torres online.com throughout the week. With that said though, Let's get to the topic of the day and the topic of the day. It's Monday. It's champ week. This is my personal favorite week of the year. I should mention, by the way, Tuesday, we will do the full conference championship preview show. So this is kind of a look back to the weekend. Tuesday, we will do a conference tournament preview show. And then, oh, by the way, the rest of the week, we'll kind of figure out on the fly uh, as we try to figure out you know, bluntly how how to kind of do a show with so many moving parts throughout champ week, but let's focus on today. Let's focus on Monday and let's focus on what I said, because at this time last year, I came out and I said, I believe there were only five teams that were capable of winning the national championship in college basketball at this time last year, five teams that had all the tools, all the ingredients, all the necessities to win the national championship. 
And as I look ahead to the 2023 tournament with a bracket set to come out here in less than seven days from when you're listening to this, as wide open as this season has been, I actually believe that we are down to five teams, count them five, that can win the national championship this year. Four that you can probably guess and one that maybe you can't. And so I want to go through, I want to give you my AT official Fave five, fab five, whatever you want to describe it as, because I think there's only five, count them five, count them five teams that can win the national championship. Let's talk about all five. Let's start at the top. I will give you their odds, by the way, in the Betfred Sportsbook. And I want to start with the number one team in the country going into champ week. And oh, by the way, the number one team, the betting favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. I'm talking about the Houston Cougars. You know your boy Torres loves those Cougars, baby. Love them Cougars. They are plus 650 in the Betfred Sportsbook. Uh, And by the way, coming off an incredible game on Sunday, they beat Memphis at Memphis, essentially on a buzzer beater from Jamal Shedd, and this team is rolling. They enter the AAC tournament at 29-2 and overall. Their only losses to Alabama in early December, and then a weird, bizarre loss to Temple, which 99% of America didn't even see because it was being played during NFL playoff games in late January. So other than that, Houston has completely rolled. Here's why I believe they can ultimately win a national championship. I think it's it's obvious. One, they're, they're good enough. They're experienced. They're all this. What I love about Houston, though, and we've talked about Houston through the years many, many, many times because, again, nobody loves them Cougars like your boy Torres loves them Cougars. But we talked about Houston quite a bit for the very simple reason is that What I love about Houston is that they have an identity. And I believe that Houston does a better job than any program in college basketball enforcing their identity on you. Anyone who has watched Houston knows their identity. They're tough. They're physical. They defend. They rebound. They make life hell for you. The numbers this year certainly back that up. They enter champ week, number two in the country in fewest points allowed on defense, number two in the country in field goal percentage defense, number six in the country in rebound percentage, meaning of all the rebounds that go up, only five teams grab more of them on average than Houston does. And oh, by the way, they're the number one offensive rebounding team in college basketball. And so if you don't show up ready to play, ready to grind, ready to get beat up, ready to fight back, to be perfectly honest, You just have no shot with Houston. And what's interesting about Houston, if you watch them, I kind of believe that 80 to 90% of their wins, the games are essentially won before they walk into the arena because teams just aren't ready for their physicality. They aren't ready for their toughness. Referees don't really know how to officiate them because basically they follow on every play. And so they are a completely unique team, I believe, in college basketball. What is interesting about this particular Houston group, though, is this. There have been previous years where that defense, those that rebounding is so tough, but the offense isn't good enough. That is not the case this year. This is a team that averages close to 77 points per game. Marcus Sasser, star guard, averages 17 points per game. Jarris Walker, five-star freshman, averaging 11 and 7. What's interesting to me about that is keep in mind, those are two players that will be drafted in the NBA draft this year. And so sometimes one of the things that I think you need to win a national championship in college basketball, you got to be able to win multiple ways. You got to have veterans, but you got to have NBA talent. And this year, Houston has that. And also the offense is more evolved than it has been in total. Five guys on this roster averaging more than nine and a half points per game, essentially five guys in double figures. And that's on top of the rebounding and the defensive stats. The concerns with Houston. Let me go through the concerns really quick. You ask most people, I believe most people would tell you, yeah, it's probably the schedule, right? It's probably the schedule because if if you look at the schedule, really since Christmas, Houston has essentially played two games against NCAA tournament caliber teams. They played Memphis a few weeks ago and they played Memphis on Sunday. And other than that, since they played Virginia before Christmas, they have not played an NCAA tournament caliber team. To me, though, I don't really worry about that. Houston's been playing in this league forever. It's their last year in the AAC. It's worth noting. 
They've played in this league forever. Didn't stop them from going to the Elite Eight last year. Didn't stop them from going to the Final Four the year before. Didn't stop them from going to, uh, they they would have gone to uh, a, a deep NCAA tournament run in 2020 had there been a tournament. So it hasn't stopped them before 2019, by the way. They made the Sweet 16 where they lost to Kentucky. Tyler Hero, who was a bucket. I bring it up to just simply say, I don't, the, the, the conference doesn't worry me. This is the one thing that does concern me a little bit, though, is that I, I I just spent a lot of time talking about the toughness, the physicality. One thing that I've noticed through the years watching Houston is what I said a minute ago. If you can match the toughness and energy and physicality, you probably have a pretty good chance of beating them or at least kind of handling them. It's interesting to me. Memphis is a team that plays them twice a year, sometimes three times a year, every year. They're not afraid of them anymore. Easily could have beat them in Houston a few weeks ago without Kendrick Davis, Memphis's star point guard. Easily could have beat them on Sunday at home. Also, last year in the NCAA tournament, Arizona had no answer for that toughness and physicality of Houston. Villanova came to the Elite Eight and said, we're not getting bullied by you, and Villanova won going away. Year before in 2021, Houston played Baylor in the Final Four. You ain't going to punk Davion Mitchell. You ain't going to punk Jared Mitch, uh, Jared, uh, Jared Butler. And so that is the only concern that I have. If you meet a team that can match your physicality, whether it is a a UConn, um, an Alabama who you played earlier in the year, Memphis who you play throughout the regular season, some of these Big 12 teams that aren't going to get pushed around, that is the only concern for Houston. But they are the betting favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook for a reason. They are one of five teams that I believe can win the NCAA championship. Let's keep it going. Number two in my five teams that I believe can win a national championship is also number two in the Betfred Sportsbook. That is the Kansas Jayhawks. How about my Jayhawks? Okay, I can't take credit. Last year, they were my Jayhawks because I picked them in the preseason. This year, I did not see this coming from Kansas and Bill Self, but they do it again. I know they lost on Saturday to Texas. No, there's no reason to be concerned. Texas is a really good team. Kansas had already clinched the Big 12 regular season title. And as a matter of fact, that's the reason that I'm not worried at all. And that's the reason that you should love Kansas going into this tournament. In a year where they lost three starters off a national championship team, two first round picks, six of their top eight scores, 70% of their scoring, Kansas comes back and in the toughest conference in college basketball, wins the Big 12 outright in the regular season. And also, again, uh, took care of business and was, I think this is the important part, was really good down the stretch, winning nine of their final 11 games. So it wasn't like they got hot in January and February and limped to the finish line like some other teams. They've been good really when it counts, and they've only been getting better over the last couple of weeks. What's there like about Kansas? Well, it's what we've talked about a lot on this show over the last couple of weeks. Early in the season, it felt like it was a Jalen Wilson, Grady Dick production. And if one of those two guys wasn't great and the other one wasn't really good, you were probably going to have a chance to beat Kansas. And a lot of teams took care of them early in the year. They beat Tennessee early in the year. They beat, uh, you know, or excuse me, they lost to Tennessee early in the year. They had that three-game losing streak in the middle to early part of Big 12 play, but they figured it out because other guys around Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick got better as time went on. Most notably, and this is a guy that we talked about plenty, Dewan Harris has gone from really solid kind of role player on last year's title team. He's one of the best guards in college basketball, okay? And most importantly, he has been scoring in a way that they needed him to. Again, one of the elite guards in college basketball on the season averages close to six and a half points per game and right around two steals per game. So that's the positive with Dewan Harris. Most importantly, though, that offense has come around, averaging just under 10 points per game and has scored double figures in six of his last 10. Kevin McCuller, the transfer from Texas Tech, by the way, certainly an interesting weekend at Texas Tech. Uh, Kevin McCuller is playing very well as well. He has scored 15 or more in three of Kansas's last four games. And so you look at this team peaking at the right time, Hall of Fame coach, Toughest conference in college basketball. They have certainly been tested with by far the most quad one wins going into champ week. Quad one, the most important wins in the rankings, the net rankings that determine NCAA tournament seeding. There is a lot to like with this team. 
The only concern I do have about Kansas, and I don't even know that I'm that concerned about it, is they aren't very big and they aren't very physical down low. Like, I have a buddy who used to be an assistant under Bill Self. We were talking the other day, and I said, listen, man, I know it's hyperbole. Everybody says every year this is the best team that Bill Self has ever had. He goes, or, or this is the best coaching job, I should say, that Bill Self has ever had. And he stopped me. He said, no, Torres, this is the best coaching job that Bill Self has ever had because they really have no low post presence to speak of on this team. Their leading scorer, or their leading rebounder, excuse me, Jalen Wilson, a six foot eight wing. Second leading rebounder, Kevin McCuller, a six foot six guard. So they do a good job crashing the glass from the guard spot, from the wing spot. But now low, KJ Adams is really the only guy that they have. And that's really kind of my only concern with Kansas is if you play one of those big physical teams, do you have enough bodies down low to be able to take care of business, to be able to beat up, you know, to be able to handle getting beat up down low again? I'm talking a UConn. I'm talking a Bama. I'm talking a Tennessee who Kansas actually lost to earlier this year. Despite it, Kansas is one of my three, one of my five, excuse me, that I believe is good enough to win a national championship. Houston plus 650, Kansas plus 800 in the Betfred Sportsbook. Let's get to my number three team. And the number three team is actually not the number three team in the Betfred Sportsbook. So in the Betfred Sportsbook, the number three odds to win the championship are Arizona plus 950. Sorry, Wildcats fans. I love you. We've been through a lot together. I don't think you're good enough to win a national championship, especially now you're going to be a two seed, maybe a three seed. You're not going to be out West. You're not going to be going through Vegas. I will say with one big caveat, the number four team in the Betfred Sportsbook, I do believe is good enough to win the national championship. That is the UCLA Bruins, plus a 1,000 UCLA fight, fight, fight. What is there to like about UCLA? Well, there's a lot to like about UCLA, honestly. Um, You know, first of all, again, first of all, they have everything. They have uh, everything that I said with Houston in terms of what you need to win a national championship. UCLA has that, okay? UCLA has veterans who have been there before. Tiger Campbell, all sorts of guys, you know, Jaime Jaquez, David Singleton that were part of the Final Four team a few years ago. NBA caliber talent in Jaime Jaquez, Amari Bailey, Adembona. They have veteran guards, Tiger Campbell, David Singleton, fifth-year college guards that have been with this program for five years now. David Singleton, I believe, has broken the record for most games played at UCLA. Most importantly, what I really like about them is much like Houston and really like all these teams, but I think Houston is the most obvious. UCLA has a real identity. They know who they are. They know who they play and they're going to make you play their game. Now, there's only one team that's going to win any given night and there's only one team that's going to win the national championship. But UCLA is not going to get beat because somebody else made them play their style. UCLA plays slow, excuse me, 231st in pace. They don't turn the ball over, only 10.5 per game. That's in the top 25 nationally. And they play great defense, top 25 defense nationally in field goal percentage defense. So when you play slow, you don't turn the ball over, and you play elite defense, that is a great, great, great recipe for having success. Now, the concerns with UCLA, by the way, I would say this too about UCLA. Love how all the pieces fit. You have. Guard, veteran guards, as I said, uh, wing players, defenders, rim protection with the Dembona. I like the fact they're one of the few teams. They have multiple backup bigs, which I think you I don't think you can explain. Like, you can't underestimate how important that is. When you have two, three guys, you can go to the bench just to chew up minutes in terms of foul trouble. And they have that with uh, Mac Etienne, with Kenneth Nuaba. Uh, when the Dembona gets that first foul. Mick Cronin doesn't wait for his starting center to get that second foul. He'll pull him right away, go to the bench. It is an important thing as we go to March. Now, there are two really big concerns that I have with UCLA. One, we don't know the status of Jalen Clark. And I'm recording here at about 6, 6.30 Eastern time on Sunday night into Monday. And as of right now, Jalen Clark their second leading scorer, maybe the best wing defender in college basketball, averages 2.6 steals per game. He left the game Saturday night 
with an injury and was seen coming out of the tunnel in a walking boot. There was an MRI schedule for Sunday. Again, as of right now, we do not know what is going to happen. If he is able to play in the Pac-12 tournament or at the very least in the NCAA tournament, and he's something close to 100%, that's good. If it's an ankle, if it's a whatever, that's good. If it's something more serious, I don't think UCLA can win a national championship without him. One, he's their second leading scorer. Two, he's, again, the best perimeter defender that they have. So at some point, you're going to face Kentucky with a case in Wallace. Although apparently Kentucky can just win without case in Wallace all of a sudden. You're going to face, you know, whoever. Uh, You're going to face, you know, just just, uh, a Houston with Marcus Sasser. You're going to face a Texas with a Marcus Carr, a Baylor with their guards, and you're going to need Jalen Clark. That is the first concern. I hope he's healthy. I hope he's okay. If he is, UCLA can win it all. The second concern that I do have for UCLA, and to their credit, I, I, I they kind of addressed this on Saturday night. The second concern that I have for UCLA is pretty straightforward. Can they win more than one way? They are a team. They are great when they're great when the tempo slows down. They can exert their style of play. As I said a minute ago, I don't think there's anybody in college basketball that can force them to play another way other than what they want to. But at the same time, if you drag them into a game in the 80s, if you get hot early, don't know that they're really built to make up big deficits, don't know that they're built to come back from big margins. But the good thing is, like I said, they proved on Saturday that maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe they've added that to their game, if you will. They fell down 13-2 to to Arizona rallied to beat them 82 to 73 somebody who had the under in the Betfred sports book not my best bet of the year so UCLA the key right now they're 27 and four they're going to the Pac-12 tournament as the number one seed they will probably end up with the number one seed out west but they have got to get healthy going forward they got to hope that Jalen Clark is okay it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Really quickly, the final two teams in my picks that I believe are good enough to win it. UCLA, again, was plus 1,000 right behind them in the odds. Alabama at plus 1,200. And I was, so, okay, so with Alabama, we got to do the the whole thing that we did last Thursday on, on the Thursday episode. On the Thursday episode, if you remember, what did we say? We said we have to compartmentalize with Alabama. We can argue and fight on one side over whether Brandon Miller should be playing, should be representing the University of Alabama. I have made that very clear how I feel about that. But while we can compartmentalize that, here is the thing that we also have to acknowledge. Alabama has decided that he is going to play. We have to accept that, and we have to evaluate Alabama with Brandon Miller in the lineup. Well, Alabama with Brandon Miller in the lineup was the number one team in the country a few weeks ago and might be the best team in college basketball. I believe that Alabama at their best is the best team in college basketball. Positives on Alabama. I've said it before. They do everything pretty well. They're the most complete team in the sport as far as I'm concerned. This is a team. We spend so much time talking about the offense, Nate Oates, spacing, three-pointers, shots at the rim, et cetera, et cetera. We don't pay enough attention to how good the defense is. This is a team that right now is number three in the country in field goal percentage defense. So when you're a top five scoring offense and a top three defense in the country, you're going to be in a lot of games. And they're also an elite rebounding and shot blocking team, top 20 in both of those categories. You score, 
defend, rebound, and protect the rim, you can beat anybody in college basketball, and Alabama has done that. They beat, you know, North Carolina, Houston, Memphis, uh, Kentucky, Arkansas twice, on and on and on, Auburn twice. So I look at this 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 Alabama team. I don't really know what they're missing. The only concerns with Alabama, I have two. One, the ongoing situation with Brandon Miller. Obviously, one, does something else come out? Now, I tend to think if nothing's come out at this point, nothing's going to come out. But does that as time goes on wear on Alabama? Again, we've talked about it over and over. But the deeper you get into the NCAA tournament, the deeper you go, the more media that's going to be there. And it's not just going to be Tuscaloosa, Alabama-based media. It's going to be national outlets. It's going to be outlets that don't cover sports. You know, NBC Nightly News might be sending a camera crew there, CBS Evening News, whatever. And that's something you got to deal with. Second thing, and I've talked about this from the beginning with Alabama. They're very, very, very young. They're very talented, but they're very young. Alabama, as I've told you many times, and this is important, you look at their roster. Brandon Miller, obviously a freshman. Overall, of their top six scorers, four of them are freshmen. Five of them have never played in an NCAA tournament game for Alabama. Now, Mark Sears played for in the NCAA tournament when he was in the uh, MAC a few years ago. But do they have that tournament experience? What will they do in a close game with everything on the line? Now, the good thing is, if you're an Alabama fan, there is a history. If you have NBA-level freshmen, like Brandon Miller and Noah Clowney are, and I believe Jaden Bradley will get there as well, and you have veterans who have been there before, that's a good sign. Worked for 2012 Kentucky, worked for 2015 Duke. Other teams have made very far runs as well. And the other thing about Alabama that I, I actually do, at the very least, respect about them, these last few weeks have been really tough. And understandably, they've been a lot tougher on the family of Jamia Harris, all that. I'm not trying to make Alabama the victim here. But Alabama has overcome a lot of adversity on the court over the last four games. Trailed at South Carolina late, forced overtime, won in overtime. Uh, trailed Auburn, beat Auburn in overtime. Texas A&M. Texas A&M was blowing them out of the building, and then Alabama just flipped the switch, and all of a sudden you look up with three minutes left, and Alabama is in position to win. Now, they didn't end up winning, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it was a pretty impressive effort overall. I'll be curious to see how they handle the pressure at the SEC tournament this week. More cameras, more media, more questions for Nate Oates, but the mental toughness on the court of this team cannot be denied. Alabama is good enough to win the national championship. That was my number four team. We're going to skip in the Betfred odds, number five and six, as far as the, the highest odds, the best odds to win, Baylor plus 1,300 and Purdue plus 1,500. And we're going to go to number eight because I believe the fifth team, I believe that the fifth team that's good enough to win the national championship at 15 to one in the Betfred Sportsbook, it's the UConn Huskies. And I know what everybody, oh, Torres, you're a homer. You just love UConn, blah, 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 blah. You can fight me on this if you want. I'm not going to argue with you if you think I'm a homer and that's the only reason I'm picking. Now, by the way, I've been doing NCAA tournament previews on this podcast for four or five years, however long this podcast has been going. I've never said in, in March, the first week of March, UConn's good enough to win a national championship. So if you want to call me a homer, I wasn't a homer in 2022 when they made the NCAA tournament. I wasn't a homer in 2021 when they made the NCAA tournament. So keep that in mind before you call your boy Torres a homer. But why I like UConn. I mean, listen, why I like UConn is pretty straightforward. One, keep in mind a couple things. First off, this was most everyone acknowledged the best team in college basketball the first two months of the season. Remember, early in the year, they beat Alabama. They beat Oregon. They beat Iowa State, who's very much a tournament team. They beat Oklahoma State. They won at Florida when Florida's at full strength with Colin Castleton. And then what happened? They got into Big East play, teams that know them, coaches that know them, and they struggled. And that happens from time to time. But if you look at the losses, the schedule kind of did not break in their favor. Their first three Big East losses at Xavier. Well, Xavier's going to be a top five seed in the NCAA tournament. At Marquette, Marquette's going to be the regular season. Marquette was the regular season Big East champ. At Providence, Providence is really good. Now, UConn did take two bad losses after that, which I'm not going to pretend that they didn't. They lost to St. John's at home. That's not good. And they lost to Seton Hall on the road. But even Seton Hall, 
one is a tough team. And two, UConn had a 17-point lead in that one and could not hold on. And so since that Seton Hall loss, UConn has played nine games. Since January 31st, UConn has played nine games. UConn is 8-1 and one in those games and included a dominant win over Marquette, a dominant win over Providence, a dominant win at Villanova on Saturday night. Their only loss was to Creighton by three. And so they're playing well. They've proven they can beat anybody. They beat Alabama. So if you can beat Alabama, you can beat anybody. And then on top of that, and this is the important part, what do you need to win in the NCAA tournament? Tournament experience. Okay. Adama Sonogo, Andre Jackson have both been to back-to-back NCAA tournaments. Jordan Hawkins played in the NCAA tournament last year. Um, Some of the other guys on the roster have been part of NCAA tournament teams. So that's one. Naheem Aline, one of their star transfers. Played in the NCAA tournament last year for Virginia. Do you have veteran guards? Well, Tristan Newton's a senior, has two triple doubles this season. Andre Jackson's a veteran. He's a wing guard, whatever. Naheem Aline, fourth, fifth-year college player. Hassan Diara, fourth-year college player. Could go on and on, but you get the point. And then do you have NBA talent? Well, I'm here to tell you, Jordan Hawkins is going to be a first-round pick this year. Donovan Klingon is going to get looks from the NBA whenever he decides to declare Andre Jackson will probably be drafted by somebody based on potential and athleticism. Adama Sonogo is a first-team All-Big East player. So they have the players, they have the experience, they have the wins, they have the toughness, and again, like all these other teams, they have an identity. This is a team. Offense is coming together, but they're the number two rebounding team in college basketball, top 15 in block shots, top 30 in defense. Offense, defense, they can do it both. UConn, in my opinion, is the fifth and final team that's good enough to win the national championship. When the bracket comes out, I'm going to pick one of those five teams to win. Who? I don't know. Stay tuned. But those are the only five. In terms of teams I don't like, Purdue at 15-1 to in the Betfred Sportsbook. I've told you about them. Don't like their guards. Don't trust anybody besides Zach Eady. I think they probably lose actually before the Elite Eight. If they made the Final Four, I would be shocked. I think they lose in the Sweet 16, maybe the round of 32. Baylor at 13-1. to Too inconsistent. They just haven't played very well down the stretch. Don't like them. Something's off. Something's not right. Arizona, plus 950. Love what Tommy Lloyd's done. I wouldn't be surprised if they won the Pac-12 tournament, considering they're going to have great fan support. And oh, by the way, UCLA may be a little bit banged up. But to win six games in March, I need consistency, and Arizona has not been consistent all year. Gonzaga, 18-1. to I'm out. Don't like their guards. Tennessee, 18-1. to I'm out. Don't like their guards. Texas 20 to 1, too inconsistent late, even though they beat Kansas. Even Indiana 30 to 1, Mike F. and Woodson. I like them, but do I love them enough to win six straight? I don't. By the way, for those of you in Ohio, Kentucky 30 to 1. Just saying, Marquette also 30 to 1. I just want to do take a quick break, come back, and we're going to look at some of the results from Saturday. Woo! John Calipari, no point guard, no problem. They go ahead and take care of business at Arkansas. We'll talk a little bit about Duke Carolina and some of the other results from Saturday that are going to have an impact this week on Champ Week, all that good stuff. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, we're getting back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK. Over 1,600 shops in the UK have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos. And what I love about working with Betfred, nobody does more for their customers than Betfred does. Okay, I've told you before, but I'm going to keep telling you. Cincinnati Bengals games, that Betfred suite is rocking. They had a New Year's Eve into New Year's Day party for the launch of sports betting in the state of Ohio. Shout out to all of you who were there. Obviously, beyond that, there is the Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. We have sent listeners of this show to those tailgates. Colorado Rockies, first pitch at those games. Betfred does more for their customers than anybody. And here is what they are doing for listeners of the Aaron Torres podcast. Okay, it's what you got to do. Bet 50 on any game and new users. How about this? Get up to $1,000 in free bets. There are no catches. There are no gimmicks. Here's what you need to know. Bet 50 on any game. You get automatically $111 in free bets. But beyond that, you get 
$200 insurance on your first five weeks as a Betfred customer. So you decided, hey, I'm going to bet this big game, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever. You end up losing it. They're going to insure you for that game. So up to five weeks, up to $200 plus $111 for signing up for Betfred today. You're going to want to do it. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Tell them Torres sent you. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, the Betfred Sportsbook. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, everybody. Hi, back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, Let's switch gears. And let's hit on some of the other games from Saturday. Obviously, look, we just talked a little bit, kind of talked about the UCLA-Arizona game, Houston and Memphis, UConn going to Villanova. But there were some other games and some other results that do feel like they are worth monitoring and worth mentioning that happened over the course of the weekend in college hoops. The first one, it's a game that, to be blunt, if you had asked me on Friday, Torres, do you plan on talking about this game on Monday's show? Do you think it'll be a topic? I probably would have said, nah, probably not. The game I'm talking about, Kentucky at Arkansas. Kentucky enters as a four-point underdog in the Betfred Sportsbook. And frankly, I thought it should have been a 20-point underdog because Kentucky was coming in, remember, without their starting point guard, Cason Wallace, without their backup point guard, Severe Wheeler, who spent most of the season actually as a starter. With C.J. Frederick, their, you know, kind of role-playing guard limited because of fractured ribs. So if I just pick, forget any team, for it could be any team, but if I told you, no point guard, no backup point guard, maybe your third best ball handler limited with cracked ribs, what would you have said? It doesn't have to be Kentucky. It doesn't have to be the school coach by Hall of Famer. You would have said, oh, yeah, that team's not winning. Well, instead, Kentucky went into Bud Walton Arena, and in one of, I think, one of the most shocking results of the season, Kentucky walks out with an 88-79 win. couple thoughts here. One. Gotta say, it is a tough, quiet, exhausting night for the John Calipari's gotta go. John Calipari is the worst coach in the history of the world, haters. So let's get into it. Let's discuss. Before I get into it, I already know what some of you are thinking. Torres addressed the elephant in the room. Torres, the referees were terrible. Torres, Oscar Shibwe should have been, could have been ejected within the first few minutes because of a big elbow early in the game. Devo Davis from Arkansas did get ejected early in the game. The refs were terrible. The refs ruined everything. Blame the refs, blame the refs, blame the refs. Well, as I always say on this show, two things in life can be true. The refs, they were not good. As I said, Oscar Shibwe could have been ejected. Devo Davis was ejected. I don't think the second technical warranted ejection. But we also can't blame the refs. They're not the reason that Arkansas lost. First off, the refereeing balanced itself out by the end. Oscar Shibwe followed out in 26 minutes of play for Kentucky. Damian Collins, how about this, followed out in six minutes of play for Kentucky. Arkansas ended up with more foul shots. The personal fouls were even. And also, it's worth noting, Arkansas missed like 15 or 16 layups in this game. I don't have the exact number, but it was way too many. So the bottom line is we can sit here and say the refs were not great, but the refs were not what cost Arkansas this game and instead Kentucky walked into Arkansas's home venue and earned that win how did they get it to me this game and this win comes up comes for three reasons first off Antonio Reeves my man have yourself a night okay Antonio Reeves in this game was unbelievable I would argue one of the best performances that I have seen all season long in college basketball Antonio Reeves finishes with 37 points in a game where he had no point guard to set him up. Antonio Reeves finishes shooting 12 of 17 from the field. Excuse me, 12 of 17 from the field. 
What's wild is he's kind of known as a three-point shooter. He only went two for four from the from the three-point line, 11 for 11 from the free throw line. And so in a game where you don't have your point guard, your backup point guard, another ball handler, so much was put on Antonio Reeves' plate, and he had to be great. Credit to him for stepping up in this big moment. This is why, as a transfer, he came from Illinois State. This is why you come to a place like Kentucky to play in games like this. And Antonio Reeves, when his team needed him, played the game of his life or certainly the game of his career in a Kentucky uniform. The second reason Kentucky won, how about my boy Jacob Toppin, okay? Toppin and Torres have taken a lot of arrows together. Because in the preseason, Kentucky had a foreign tour in the Bahamas, and Jacob Toppin played like an All-American in that game. And at the time, I said, Jacob Toppin is going to be an All-American, he is going to be a first-round pick, and he is going to be All-SEC. Well, obviously, it has not worked out, but it's also worth noting that Jacob Toppin was not only phenomenal on Saturday, he's been phenomenal most of the second half of the year. Last 14 games. Jacob Toppin has scored double figures in 13 of those games. And again, in a game with no ball handler at six foot 10, Jacob Toppin was the primary ball handler and primary playmaker for the Kentucky Wildcats. He was the guy that was setting everything up. He was the guy that was defending the other team's best wing players and played 38 minutes and did not miss a beat. What I love even more about Jacob Toppin, and I talked about this a little bit uh, uh, on Twitter with the Alabama-Texas A&M game. What I love about Jacob Toppin and what I respect about Jacob Toppin is how he has evolved as a leader this season. Early in the year, he looked lost. He looked confused. He looked overwhelmed. He looked whatever. And maybe it's because there were people, guys like me, girls like me, whatever, that put too much pressure on him. I vividly remember the Missouri game. He comes down for a rebound. That dude, Trey Gilliman, gets in his face, shoves him, and Jacob Toppin doesn't know what to do. Well, on Saturday, I saw a veteran, I saw a leader, I saw a guy that was kind of bringing the team together, getting them in huddles, keeping them calm when things were going bad. I just want to give this kid credit. I don't know what the future holds. I think he has a bright NBA future. But as a veteran on this team, he has been through so much. He went through that COVID year where Kentucky finished 11-15 and with B.J. Boston and Devin Askew. Names no Kentucky fan wants to hear again. He was part of last year's team that lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. He was part of a team that everybody, including myself, I'm not perfect, left for dead. And he has elevated his game late and made sure that in his senior year, if this is his senior year, because he has an extra year because of COVID like everybody else does, that he ain't going down like a punk. And then finally, I want to give credit to somebody else. And I know it's going to ruffle a lot of feathers. Even in big blue country. How about we give some credit to John Calipari, okay? And I know everybody wants to blame John Calipari for everything. And I'll just say, listen, to be clear, I'm not saying that this guy deserves some medal of whatever for going on the road and winning a road game against a beat-up Arkansas team, whatever. This isn't a 16 beating a 1. This isn't a a UMBC beating a Virginia. But at the same time, down your starting point guard, down your backup point guard, down your best, maybe your third best ball handler is limited because of of those fractured ribs. Calipari had one of his best days, I believe, as the Kentucky head coach. They had no shot and no reason to win that game, but he put together a good game plan. He empowered his players. He went to the 2-3 zone, which kind of threw Arkansas for a loop in the second half. He managed his bench when he needed to. He did it largely without Oscar Shibwe. And so this guy, I just want to say, again, I'm not saying he deserves National Coach of the Year because he beat Arkansas. But what I am saying is this guy takes so many arrows from everybody. He takes arrows from the national media. Like, like, I was blown away when Kentucky lost on Wednesday or Thursday whenever they played Vanderbilt. How many people in the media who are paid to cover college basketball, just crushed Calipari without acknowledging that Cason Wallace, his best NBA prospect, his point guard, was not available for the second half. Like, I'm sorry, but you take out Cason Wallace from Kentucky, Marcus Sasser from Houston, Kendrick Davis from Memphis, um, uh, whoever, 
You take out a team starting point guard, they're going to struggle. They did on Wednesday. They adjusted, and he won this game. It was unbelievable. This guy takes so much heat for everything, and this year more than any, I, I just I, I don't buy the narrative. Like, I just can't get – I don't think he was great. I don't think he was perfect in November and December. I think he was too stubborn on Severe Wheeler. I get that. But at the same time, this is the bottom line with Kentucky. I looked this up because I was interested. Kentucky really has, I would argue, probably five, seven players that are really consistent players, okay? Uh, Oscar Shibwe, Antonio Reeves, Kaysen Wallace, those are three. Chris Livingston is four. CJ Frederick is five. Severe Wheeler is six. Uh, and Jacob Toppin is seven. And then there's other guys who have played a lot of Duthier or whatever. But if they're top seven guys, here's kind of a crazy stat. Only two of them have played the entire season without missing a game. Jacob Toppin missed time. Kaysen Wallace is out right now. Severe Wheeler's out right now. CJ Frederick is banged up. Oscar Shibwe missed a game earlier this year, and he, of course, had surgery just a few weeks before the season on his knee. And so I bring it up because every single game, it's something new. Somebody's out. Somebody's back. Somebody's this. Somebody's that. Somebody's in a new role. We got to figure this out. We got to figure that out. And for fun, I went back and looked it up. And to be clear, there are other teams that have dealt with injuries. Duke has, Villanova has, Arkansas has, Tennessee has. But did you know Kentucky's had five different marquee players miss time with injury? Arizona, for example, I'm going to give you an example. You know, Arizona has had zero rotation players miss a single game because of injury all year. You think that doesn't affect why Arizona's playing really well? Now, they had a guy suspended early in the year, Courtney Ramey, but they haven't missed a single game to injury for a player in their rotation. Purdue has had one player miss more than one game this season out of their rotation. That's it. UCLA, Amari Bailey's been hurt, but largely everybody else has been available. So I bring it up to say every game, it's something new with Calipari in, out, this, that. Guy gets hurt, middle game, he doesn't come back. It's like, can we give him credit for everything? The media's fighting him. His own fan base is fighting him. I'm not saying he's been perfect, but I thought he had a great game on Saturday. I thought he, he I, I, I think it's been a solid year for him. I'd give him a B plus. It's not great, but it hasn't been easy either. And you win at Arkansas. You win at Tennessee. You beat Auburn at home. You beat Tennessee at home. You beat Texas A&M at home. That's a pretty solid season. You'd like to see it start a little earlier. Michigan State and Gonzaga would have been nice early. I get it. Point I'm trying to make, this guy takes so many arrows. Credit him for getting the win. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Really quickly, from the Arkansas perspective, listen, you know, we talked about it the other day. Um... And I, I don't like, I don't know what else there really is for me to say about Arkansas. Um, you look at this season, things are slowly just slipping away. Now, the good news for Arkansas, they have a very nice net ranking and a very nice out of conference schedule and some good wins in general. They won at Kentucky, they beat San Diego State on a neutral court, they beat Texas AM, they beat Missouri. I don't think they're not getting into the NCAA tournament, but I don't know what else to say that I haven't already said. Since Nick Smith, you know, the whole season changed when Nick Smith came back and not for the positive. And this is not to blame Nick Smith. Credit him for wanting to come back. Credit for him to wanting to play with his brothers, for wanting to represent his state university. I will never criticize a player in the load management, opt out, uh, protect your draft stock era for wanting to come back 
and play alongside his brothers and represent his state university. But we have to look at the numbers at this point. Arkansas had won four of five prior to his coming back, five of six, excuse me, and they're two and five since he returned. Not his fault, not blaming him, not blaming the coaching staff. But you can just tell Arkansas hasn't really figured it out. What do we do with Nick Smith? Do we play him on the ball? Do we play him off the ball? What about Anthony Black? He was on the ball. Now he's sort of off the ball. What about the Mitchell twins? They were both playing and they were both awesome. Now they're kind of not really in the lineup. What do we do with Jalen Graham, Jordan Walsh? The pieces right now just don't seem to fit. Now, if they had had Nick Smith since October and they never lost him to injury, I think Coach Muss and his staff would have figured it out. It goes back to something, you know, Jamie and Christian, who's doing stuff with us for Aaron Torres Media, he said something to me probably in December or January that really stood out as far as I was concerned. I thought this was really interesting. He said, Aaron, he goes, as a coach, and this is, you never want an injury, right? And I'm paraphrasing Jamie, and so don't quote him and get mad at him. But he said, as a coach, if if an injury is going to happen, you'd almost rather have it be a season-ending injury Because at least you can say, this sucks, and I feel awful for the kid. But as a team, we can move forward. As a team, we can go to plan B. Where it becomes tricky is one of these injuries that he's sort of back, he's sort of not, is he back, is he not? And you can't get a feel for your lineup and your rosters, and you're trying to figure things out as a guy comes back. And so I just bring it up to say, I'm not saying you should feel bad for Arkansas. They're a great team with a bunch of talent, and I would be worried about them going into the NCAA tournament. But I just don't know what there is to say about them at this point. It just it just hasn't clicked. The good news, you get two or three days of practice before the SEC tournament. They open the SEC tournament on Thursday against Auburn. Don't think Arkansas is in danger of missing the NCAA tournament, but you obviously want to beat Auburn, want to build a little momentum, going into the back half of the SEC tournament and then into the NCAA tournament. Another game that was very much worth noting here on the Aaron Torres pod, North Carolina Duke. And I'll say this, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. On North Carolina, where Aaron was right. Listen, I get a lot of stuff wrong. By the way, it's a little impromptu Aaron right, Aaron wrong. But Last week when North Carolina beat Virginia and everybody free, oh, they finally figured it out. It took them forever, but they're going to be okay. And I said, I don't know if I really buy that. I just don't think they're very good. So they beat Virginia last weekend. They beat Florida State early in the week. And ever so, oh, they're back on the bubble and da-da-da-da. They're going to beat Duke. Well, they lost to Duke on Saturday. And they lost in just uninspiring, boring, uninteresting fashion. 62-57 to was the final score in that one. Um, for the North Carolina Tar Heels, they lose this game with the loss. They fall to 19 and 12 overall, 11 and nine in the, in the ACC. And again, this one was just so uninspiring on so many levels. Carolina finishes shooting 30% from the field, five of 23 from three, which is 21%. Uh, you know, they, they, the boards, they get, you know, kind of even a lot of turnovers, Weird game, sloppy game, whatever. But it goes back to what I said. I never believed this team had figured it out. I never believed they had turned it around. So let's talk about big picture with North Carolina here. We've talked enough about the small picture. Um, Caleb Love, I don't like the shot selection. They don't feed Armando Baycott enough. Pete Nance has never really been able to. They've never been able to figure out how to fit him in. The bench hasn't really evolved like everybody thought. So I don't, I'm not going to re-talk about that. That's been discussed enough. What I will discuss, though, is a few things. One, we got to talk about the present, which is North Carolina is in real, legitimate, serious trouble of missing the NCAA tournament. 19 and 12 right now, 11 and 9 overall, outside of that win against Virginia. They basically do not have a resume to speak of. They did beat North Carolina State at home, you know, Wake Forest early in the year before they got bad. But the out of conference, unfortunately, they go to the PK-85. They lose two games there. They go to they, – they play Indiana in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. They lose that one. Um, they lose to uh, – they, they, they beat Ohio State. Ohio State's not very good. They beat Michigan. Michigan's not very good. And so I bring it up. They don't really have a resume right now. So you look at North Carolina. Here's, here's their draw. So they are the seven seed at the ACC tournament. They will open on 
Thursday, Wednesday, excuse me, with the winner of Boston College Louisville. First of all, you better win Boston College Louisville. Like, you don't win that one, conversation over, NIT, whatever. You win that one, then you play Virginia. I don't even know if beating Virginia is enough to comfortably get you into the NCAA tournament. Now, if you beat Virginia, that's where it gets interesting because you'd play either Clemson or NC State. You play Clemson, that could actually be an elimination game. Clemson right now is on the wrong side of the bubble as well. Um, but I think it's, it takes a minimum of two, maybe three teams to get into the NCAA tournament for sure. If you beat Virginia, I still think you're probably looking at the play-in game. And as we've discussed, the play-in game is partly partly a TV show. So yes, it'd be nice for them to get North Carolina in a play-in game. But that's what it feels like to me. I, I, it feels like first four, if that, for Carolina. Two, one last thought on Carolina. It's time to have an honest conversation about Hubert Davis. And it's interesting because in the early part of his tenure, I was very critical of Hubert Davis. They were getting destroyed by people. They got destroyed by Wake Forest. They got destroyed by Miami. They got destroyed by Tennessee. They got destroyed by Kentucky. This was last year, last season, 2021-2022. And I was critical, and everyone did the, the typical, oh, how can you even judge a guy after a couple games and all sorts of stuff. And then he turned things around in mid-February. And I was very praiseworthy. I was around him at the final four, you know, didn't get any one-on-one time with him, but you're at the final four. You're asking him questions at the press conference. He's very engaging. The players seem to like him and you feel good about him going into this year. And so I took, I went from one extreme to the other. I said, yeah, you know, it's probably, it took a while. First time head coach, but he figured it out. Well, fast forward, they're 19 and 12 and he has not figured out this team at all. They don't play well together. They don't seemingly like each other very much. Obviously, a lot of people have seen some rumors about what may or may not be going on behind the scenes there. But if you look at Hubert Davis and you look at this tenure, somebody asked me this. They said, how would you grade Hubert Davis? And I said, well, you take out about five weeks last year from middle of February till early April. It's probably like a D. Now, you got to give him credit because they did make the run last year. He's recruited well. But. This has been a very underwhelming run for Hubert Davis, and it goes back to what I said. He inherited a lot of talent. Armando Baycott's still kind of the same player that he was. Caleb Love has maybe regressed since last year. R.J. Davis is kind of the player that he was. Where's the player development? Who's getting better? How is this team getting better? Tough, tough time for North Carolina. Again, you'll see them on Wednesday. They'll play the winner of Boston College Louisville. This is a team that desperately, desperately needs wins. From the Duke perspective, let me just say, I'm going to get crushed for saying this. I'm starting to kind of like Duke. When I look at Duke, a couple things stand out. They do play real defense. And I think, you know, we can criticize John Shire for whatever, and are they doing this, are they doing that, whatever. But you look at their defense. And by the way, they played a really good schedule. Top 30 in the country in field goal percentage defense. They don't play particularly fast. Um, so they're top 30 in the country in field goal percentage defense. They're top 30 in the country in scoring defense. And what I like about Duke, you look at them, they have two guards that you can trust. Jeremy Roach has really come along. And then I think Tyrese Proctor, the freshman has played really well. And beyond that, you get rim protection with Kyle Filipowski and more importantly, Derek Lively. Derek Lively is not a scorer, but he has been a really good rim protector with three blocks against North Carolina, two against NC State, three against Virginia Tech, the game before that. You know, Duke is quietly coming out of that North Carolina game. Duke has quietly won six in a row going into the ACC tournament. And so they're not perfect. I think we kind of got to give John Shire some credit, though. The guards have come along nicely. You have rim protection. Kyle Filipowski has been a star. You're getting better late. You play real defense, which, which, which with a team full of freshmen is not easy to do. And you did it all in a year where Derek Whitehead, your best recruit, has been hurt in and out of the lineup, hasn't lived up to expectations. Derek Lively hasn't been who you thought he would be. I just think John Shire's done pretty well. Now, what's Duke's ceiling in the NCAA tournament? They feel like about a sweet 16 team to me, but we got to give them a little bit of credit because they were better they have been better over the last couple of weeks. They've gotten better as the season has gone on, right? 
if I'm going to credit John Calipari, if I'm going to credit Dan Hurley, who I'll do in a minute, for figuring things out late in the season, we got to credit the Duke coach too because they're playing really, really, really well. Speaking of Dan Hurley and UConn, I already talked about him. I don't need to go through that again. But you talk about a team that, in my opinion, is just totally trending in the right direction. It's UConn. They took care of business against Villanova, and they are playing some really good basketball uh, going into the Big East tournament. It'll be interesting. They actually opened the Big East tournament with Providence. Now, there's some buzz about Providence, how close are they to the bubble. I think Providence is fine, but you talk about an intriguing matchup in the first day of the Big East tournament, that 4-5 game. UConn and Providence is it, but UConn has won eight of nine. They're playing really well. Uh, A couple other results from the weekend. Indiana takes care of Michigan. I think that basically eliminates Michigan from at-large consideration. They go to the Big Ten tournament, and they got to win a lot of games and a lot of games in a hurry. They are now, as I record here, the Michigan Wolverines are 17-14 and overall. And this is one, like, I don't feel bad for a team like this. They're 17-14, and and they've had their opportunities. They lost down the stretch four of their last seven. So they knew they were on the bubble, needed to win games. They lost four of their last seven, including the game at Wisconsin where Hunter Dickinson showed up in a ski mask because he said, we're about to steal a win. Did not happen. Also lost to some teams in the preseason that you probably regret. You lost to North Carolina. You lost to Kentucky when Kentucky wasn't playing well. This Michigan team is not very good. Don't think there's much of a future for them. Don't think they're going to the NCAA tournament. Let's talk actually quickly before we get out of here about some bubble teams that had a good weekend. First of all, I thought Auburn had a really good weekend. They beat Tennessee. To me, that largely clinches an NCAA tournament bid for Auburn. Now, they play Arkansas in round one of the SEC tournament. You probably want to get a win there if possible. But Auburn, I believe, clinched an NCAA tournament bid. West Virginia also has had a very nice final week of the season. They beat Iowa State at Iowa State on Monday, followed up with a win against Texas Tech on, or excuse me, against Kansas State at home on Saturday. West Virginia, in my opinion, has clinched an automatic or clinched an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. What's interesting about West Virginia, they play Texas Tech in the Big 12 opener on Wednesday. If you have not seen what Texas Tech's coach Mark Adams is accused of, go ahead and Google that. It is not good, uh, but that is something worth monitoring. Penn State got a win essentially at the buzzer against Maryland. That keeps them on the bubble. In terms of teams whose bubbles probably burst this weekend, Michigan is one. Um, Arizona State, not a good weekend for them. They went to the L.A. schools at UCLA, at USC. Thought if they won one of two of those, they would have been in very good shape. They go 0-2. And then my buddy Steve Alford. Nevada fans have been on my butt all year. You said Steve Alford's the worst, blah, blah, blah. We're going to make the tournament. They came into the final week. How about this? I think they only had to win one of their final two games, and they would have been in. They played at last place Wyoming on Monday, lost to them, lost to a bad UNLV team at home on Saturday, and now they enter the Mountain West Tournament very much on the bubble, and they have a tricky San Jose State team to open the Mountain West Tournament. So bad weekend for Nevada, bad weekend for ASU, good weekend for Auburn, West Virginia, Penn State. Um I would add a few more. You know, Utah State was playing in the Mountain West against Boise. They get a win. I think Utah State probably needs a win or two in the Mountain West tournament, but probably on the right side of the bubble if they get that win. Um, You know, I'm just looking around here. Uh, whoever, uh, you know, that's probably it from the bubble perspective. North Carolina is the one to keep an eye on. I think they need minimum of two wins at the ACC tournament. Also at the ACC tournament, I think it'll be interesting – Pitt probably cannot afford a first-round loss if they want to get into the tournament. NC State, the same. I will add a bad loss. You want to talk about a bad loss? Mississippi State, final day of the regular season. They lost to Vanderbilt at home. Vanderbilt now very much on the bubble after winning to close the season at Kentucky and then Mississippi State at home. All right, I think it's time for me to get out of here. That's enough of the Aaron Torres pod for today. Uh, That's it. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on YouTube, on social media, Aaron underscore Torres, Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. Um, Also, we will do a Tuesday episode with all of the conference tournaments, what's at stake, what happens if this team wins, et cetera, et cetera. 
So stay tuned for that. Not going to lie, voice is about to go, so I'm going to get out of here. Shout out to Torn Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You have had Unblock Me, bro. I will be back on Tuesday. Bonus episode, Aaron Torres Pod. See everybody then. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.